Michigan unbeaten no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes. But when his number was called, seven got six. What's up and welcome to Spoko Radio, presented by Blackheart Gold Pants, SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC. Coming to us from sunny Florida, it's Jerry Sherwin. Jerry, how is Florida treating you? Uh, I am hot and sweaty and I've been in a farm field all day long today, uh, but I'm very ready to talk about some Iowa basketball and maybe a little football along the way. We'll see if we can get into it this week. With us also is the People's Champ, David Johnson Champ. You are not in sunny Florida. How are you handling the cold, wintry, snowy Chicago? You know what? I'm not going to bitch. I live in Chicago. That's the weather here. I mean, you have to expect that. A little snow. It's been a pretty mild winter, so I'm not complaining. I am still upset at Joe Wieskamp from last night's performance. Easy. Uh, uh, and uh, we may talk about that a little bit, but I'm so upset. I'm not going to lie. He didn't come to play in the Breslin Center, and it cost us a win. We're going to get into that game a little bit later in the show. But first, guys, reminder to subscribe wherever you guys get your podcasts. We are on every podcasting platform. Follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. We'll kick off the show. Champ mentioned going to the Breslin Center last night. The Iowa Hawkeyes took a tough loss on the road against Michigan State. But it led me to think of this question to kick the show off this week. What, guys, is your least favorite road venue to watch the Hawkeyes play? Champ, I'll let you start with this one because I feel like you're going to go in an interesting direction with it. So take it away. Uh, so I'm going to go the football route for my answer, and my answer is Ryan Field. I, I have been to Ryan Field a couple times to see the Hawkeyes play, and I am actually 2-0 and when I've seen them in person at Ryan Field. Not to but brag. With, with that being said. <laughs> all, all because of Champ. I mean, I'm not going to say it's because of me, but it's probably a little bit because of me. 2-0, with their the record since 2005 in Ryan Field is 3-4. and four. So since we've all started rooting for the Hawkeyes, since I started going there, that was 2005, Iowa has a losing record in that JV dump of a stadium where Iowa fans are the majority for all, all seven of those games. They get, I would say, 60 to 70% of the fans there our Iowa fans, and we still find ways to lose there. It's literally a piss-poor stadium. It's not better than some high school stadiums, especially if you're looking at, like, Texas or big high school football. Ryan Field is just a dump. It's the worst stadium in the Big Ten, <laughs> both football and basketball-wise. I hate when Iowa has to go there. The only thing that makes it worthwhile is it's so close to me in Chicago so I can go to the games, but – as a whole, Iowa doesn't do very well there, and it's just not a very good stadium. So Champ's reasoning is just per, from a pure performance base. Jay, are you sticking? Are you going with football too, or do you have a basketball arena that is your least favorite place to watch the Hawkeyes, and either on TV or in person? No, I'm 100% sticking with football here, and my least favorite place to watch Iowa play is Jack Trice Stadium. Number one. Their fans like to trample the field in a rain delay to just try to hurt our players, which eventually actually ends up helping us. On top of it, they can't beat us in their own stadium. So, I mean, it's a love-hate thing because we have to go there, and if they have game day, it's even worse. God, they're insufferable. And then on top of it, they sit there and they want to beat the band apart. They, want, they literally want to beat our band up. 
So, yeah, I don't really enjoy watching Iowa go to Jack Trice Stadium at the start of the game, but generally at the very end of the game, I enjoy the hell out of them being in Iowa State and letting claim to the Hawkeye State yet again. All right. Well, I, when I first saw this question, I immediately went to basketball because to me, there's not really a football venue that I don't enjoy watching the Hawkeyes play in. I, I don't think there's one that has the house of horrors that a Breslin Center does that the Assembly Hall might have or even the Cole Center to a certain extent. But I think that's just everybody that plays Wisconsin. But my answer is going to be Assembly Hall. And it's just because I think the fan base there. They feel like they can't do anything wrong. They feel like everything – it's very similar to the Izzone, but I think it's even – it's magnified when it's IU because I, I've compared them to this in the behest. They're the Nebraska version of – or the, the Indiana fans are the Nebraska version of basketball fans. Uh, and it's just kind of insufferable to, to have to watch every single whistle get followed up by a chorus of boos. And it's co- coupled with the fact that Iowa doesn't always win over there, so it's a, it's an added added deterrent. But to me, that's my least favorite place to watch that the Iowa Hawkeyes have to play. If you're I, going basketball-wise, for me, it's for sure the Breslin Center. We saw that last night with all the bitching and complaining, and then the fans booing Luca Garza when he falls onto the floor because a, a Michigan State Spartan undercut him. And then they have the balls to boo him because he was slow to get up. So ridiculous. Breslin Center for me, I hate it going there. Iowa sucks there. They've won three times in 31 years at the Breslin Ooh. Center. Just ridiculous. Oof. And, yeah, another you know gut-wrenching loss there uh, last evening. All right, guys. Well, figured we'd kick the show off with a little bit of, of anger, get some things off our chest in terms of what we don't like to watch the Iowa Hawkeyes play. We're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to go to football to kick things off. It's the NFL Combine this week. So we figured what better way than to play a little matchmaker. We got five Iowa Hawkeyes at the, in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine this week. And we thought we'd play matchmaker and, and pick where their ideal landing spots are in the NFL. So we're going to go down this in order from likely first-round picks to later in the draft. Champ, I'm going to start with you. Tristan Wirfs, where is your ideal NFL landing spot for him? Uh, So my ideal landing spot for big Tristan Wirfs is at the number eight pick in the Arizona Cardinals. That's where I think Tristan Wirfs would have the most success. Their line the last, I would say, eight to ten years has been pretty piss poor going all the way back to the Carson Palmer days, even the Kurt Warner days when they went to the Super Bowl. They didn't have a very good offensive line. They couldn't really run the ball effectively. It was pretty much the Kurt Warner, Carson Palmer shows having to make plays like crazy. I think Tristan Wurst would be exactly what the Arizona Cardinals need. You put him at left tackle. You're protecting Kyler Murray's blind side for the next you know, 10 to 12 years, hopefully for them. And I think it would be a perfect, perfect addition the Cardinals need a big-time left tackle like Tristan's going to be in the NFL. And going uh, in the top 10 for the Hawkeyes would be great for Tristan and for the Hawkeyes in general, having another top 10 pick. The other thing is for Tristan going to play the, with a quarterback like Kyler Murray, Tristan's athletic enough yep. to maneuver around and help help Kyler stay healthy while he's while he's sneaking around and getting out of the pocket. Yeah, I mean, Tristan going into this draft is probably the most athletic Probably the best offensive lineman going into this draft. Uh, we may be a little skewed there with our Hawkeye love, but 
yeah, it would be uh, it would be great for him. Tyler would love it. He wouldn't have to worry about getting touched on that blind side. And uh, yeah, Tristan can do a lot of things for that offensive line. Jerry, where are you putting Tristan Wirfs if you could handpick where he's playing in the NFL? So similar to Champ and kind of what you just mentioned, DC, about like protecting Kyler Murray and him being athletic enough. I I, I just envision all these Hawkeye players playing for teams that like would legitimately be the perfect fit. And to me, there's no other team than number 28 for the Baltimore Ravens champ. I know you'll love this one. But putting Wirfs with Marshall Yonda and protecting Lamar Jackson is the best case scenario for the rest of his career. That's that not only does he get to learn from a former Iowa great and one of the best NFL linemen of all time, but he also gets to be there with the most exciting quarterback and a fun-ass offense on top of it with one of the best coaches in all the NFL. Like I want my Hawkeyes to be in the best situation to win trophies and win rings. And if I could put Tristan Wirfs on that Ravens team right now, I don't see how there's any other better choice. That's a good one, but I don't think he's going to fall that far. Well, I, you didn't say <laughs> in reality. True. You said hand-pick. Hand-pick where he's going to go. Maybe the Ravens trade up to get into the top 15. Use a little draft I, capital I, and move if, up. If you like lineman porn or like reading uh, Robert May on The Ringer, and if they had Marshall Yonda and Tristan Wirfs on that unit, it would just be, you don't need to look at anything else for the rest of the next, I don't know, decade or more. And he could probably be mentored by arguably the best left tackle of all time in Jonathan Ogden. Cause I'm Correct. sure great point. he's still around in that building. That's a great call, Jerome. I like that a lot. I mean, I don't think obviously like DC of course said, not. It'll never gonna fall, but if they could trade up and maybe work something out that, I mean, These Lamar and Kyler Murray are both uber athletic quarterbacks. And obviously, Lamar has shown a lot more than Kyler Murray has thus far. So, yeah, that would be a great fit. I'll throw one more team out there. The Cleveland Browns. Protecting Baker. Getting that fun. The other the other part of it, to me, is is fun. You get, you've seen the Instagram with Keith Duncan where with him and Tristan Wirfs. Throw, throw Tristan Wirfs into some uh, whatever commercials that Baker Mayfield's doing for insurance companies. Just have some fun with it. Protecting the house. I mean, that line has been also pretty piss poor right. for the last seven, eight years. So they could oh. definitely use an upgrade there. Baker legitimately has no time to do anything. Like he can have all the receivers in the world, but he's just getting his face beat in this entire last season. So I love that we all picked very athletic quarterbacks to protect because I, I want to just say that pro football focus, I believe, was the one that put on Twitter that they don't believe that Tristan Wurz is a very athletic uh, offensive lineman. And all of Hawkeye Twitter, of course, responded like, what the fuck are you talking about? Have you watched <laughs> this guy play? And obviously the, all three of us believe in that, and we put him with these athletic quarterbacks to shine. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, Bruce Feldman at the Athletic had him as the number one freak athlete in all of college football going into right. last he's year. not athletic. Absurd take. It's just More a crazy Pro football focus is pretty dumb sometimes. Worse than yeah. Champs Ponchero's takes. Okay. Simmer <laughs> and, down. And, and road trip takes. <laughs> I have wonderful road trip takes. Wait till you get the top six this week, baby. The big uh, thing. Well, teaser coming up. It's going to be a good one. Coming up. All right, let's go to the other likely first-round pick from the Iowa Hawkeyes, A.J. Epinesa. Jer, where are you putting A.J. Epinesa? I'm putting him on the Tennessee Titans. Ooh. That defense with A.J. Epinesa is just taking that up another notch. If you guys didn't enjoy watching the Titans defense play in the playoffs this year, because let's face it, unless you are a Titans fan, that is the first time you guys probably really watched them was in the playoffs. 
Nobody wanted to watch Ryan Tannehill, despite the fact that Derrick Henry was going off. But putting AJ Epinesa in a Patriots-type scheme with a coach that's all defense, with a defense that they already have set up and built for the future, I think it's a perfect fit. The Titans are, are a legit title contender moving forward. And AJ Epinesa, again, I'm trying to put my guys in the best position to succeed. AJ on that team, I think it's a no-brainer. I like that a lot because I, I was going through this and I was like, you know, it would be really funny to send the Patriots. Patriots scheme, you go right yep. to the Titans. makes total sense in the world. The other team I had that I actually was going to go with is the Detroit Lions. Now, I know as a Bears no. fan, I hate Please, seeing no. that. I don't want that. We don't need to see that. But I do think it'd be a good fit coming from with uh, with a Patriots scheme, and then Patricia. Detroit, he'd be a great fit right away with Matt Patricia. Uh, I think it would end up working out really well for the for the Lions if they took AJ Epinesa. Champ, where would you put him? Both of those are very good sock. calls under the Belichick scheme. Both of those places are great calls. I had him going uh, number twelve overall to the Oakland Raiders. I think. Since they traded Khalil Mack, thank you very much for that. <laughs> they're now the Vegas Raiders. I'm sorry. Moving into next year, they're the Las Vegas Raiders. I think putting A.J. Epinesa on that team, the black and silver unis, he would look great with the war paint on his face. And most importantly, they need a rush end because they got rid of the best one in football in Khalil Mack, and they haven't really replaced him since he's been gone. I think A.J. Epinesa would slide in beautifully there. For the Raiders, uh, their their rumors are they're going after Tom Brady. Why not get yourself a stud D end uh, for your defense to help uh, limit some points from the other end? I like the champ. I like it a lot. I think it's another good fit. When even despite the fact that the Raiders had a pass rush guy, they did get rid of him. Yeah, they need they need to replace him. All right, next up, let's go to the quarterback, Nate Stanley. Where is the best spot? We had a little conversation in our text chain about Nate Stanley. Where, champ, are you putting Nate Stanley in the NFL? So, mentioning our text chain, we I had a little bit of a disagreement with the two of you. I don't think Nate Stanley is going to be any more than a career backup in the NFL. And where better place to learn to be a great quarterback and to be a, you know, a guy that can stay in the league more than the New England Patriots? I think it would be a perfect fit for Nate Stanley I think he can learn under Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels and maybe Tom Brady if he's still there or if they get another veteran in there to be their starter. He can learn under them and he can just learn the nuances of football and he can make himself because Bill Belichick, I know he's a defensive guy, but he has his hands all over that offense as well with Josh McDaniels, with some of those coaches. And I think Nate Stanley would learn a lot under Bill and I think that would prolong his career and maybe he becomes you know, an eight to 10 year guy in the league as a backup. So let him go to the Patriots. All right, Jerry, let's take get the more optimistic takes on Nate Stanley. Where are you putting him to thrive in the NFL? So there's one coach in mind, one offensive guru, one guy that came out of retirement to try to make a big armed quarterback, a very oh, successful mine one. Too. I'm putting Nate Stanley on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be with Bruce Arians. Cause if there's one coach that's going to be able to take an arm like Nate Stanley, arm talent, the power, the velocity, how hard he can throw the football. It's How it's much Bruce. he overthrows guys. So let's not right, forget. but Bruce Arians is going to figure out a way to get some sort of speedy 5'9 receiver down the field to catch those types of balls. I'm putting it with Bruce. Bruce and Nate, he'll cuss at him a bunch. He'll probably shake Nate up a little bit, maybe get like that 
You know how everybody says like Nate's the quiet guy. I think Bruce is in his ear chirping at him all the time, gets him out of that, pulls him out of that quiet guy thing, gets him to start being more of a vocal leader. Plus the Bucks aren't signing Jameis anyway, so why not take a shot on him? They have the talent at receiver. Why not like see if Nate Stanley, a pro style quarterback like a Carson Palmer back in the day, can come in and do the same thing? This was also my choice, but I have another reason as to why. Everyone loves to compare Nate to Big Ben. That he's the next oh, big great, Ben. Great you know, ball. you know who he actually is? He's Byron Leftwich. You know who the offensive coordinator is for the Tampa Buccaneers? Byron Leftwich. I Love thought it. you were going with the fact that Bruce Arian coached Coach Big Ben in Pittsburgh. And I was like, that's that a, too. So, so many layers. I mean, you guys definitely hit it on the nail on the head there. I mean, Bruce would be – if anyone can make Nate anywhere near a starter in the NFL, it's probably Bruce. Uh, what, look what he's done with Big Ben. Hell, he even made Jameis look good for some games last year. But he, like Jer said, wants nothing to do with him. And with his uh, quotes at the Combine this week, he said – you know, he's pretty much looking for an upgrade. <laughs> I I do say, Love I do Bruce have to Arian. admit that I'm falling madly in love with Nate Stanley's pre-draft workout videos on Instagram. Every Sexual. drop back, every throw, every just bullet. I'm talking myself into the Bears drafting him because Please, I'm just falling that no, much in love we've it. already watched him fail enough at Iowa. We don't need to double our pain and watch him go to the Bears. Don't be a hater, champ. I mean, yes, he looks great in a T-shirt and shorts with no pads and defenders making all these wonderful throws. But we've seen this story before. Nate's not going to be a starter in the league. Don't fool yourself. I mean, don't don't rule it out. The Bears have enough quarterback coaches in that room to get what that maximize his talent. If he's their sixth round pick, then that's fine. Anywhere before that, it would be a very big reach as far as I'm concerned. Well, then let's go to the guy who I do think should be lending up on the Chicago Bears. It's Geno Stone. Haha, ha, Clinton Dix has left the Bears. Geno can slide right in as a late round draft pick next to Eddie Jackson. Let Eddie Jackson play that free safety role. And uh, Gino can come up and play the run and play in the box, be that in the box safety that you want. I think Geno Stone is a perfect fit for our Chicago Bears. Jerry, where would you put Geno Stone? You and I are simpatico right now, DC. The Bears, this is the first homer pick and the only homer pick I'm going to make here tonight. But Geno Stone playing for Chuck Pagano makes sense. Chuck Pagano is the best secondary coach in all of the NFL. And putting Geno Stone on this team as a hard-hitting safety who makes plays in the box. Eddie Jackson can float outside and make the picks, hopefully get some more interceptions in this year because he didn't do very many of those this past year. And Geno coming in, helping the linebackers, helping them stop the run. It, it's everything and more that we need. He's a cheap guy that they can put out there, and he'll make plays for the foreseeable future. Champ, where are you putting Geno Stone? We are three for three in our <laughs> Geno Stone predictions. I had to put one of these guys on the beloved. Of course. Geno Stone. I, I mean, that I, says a lot about him, actually, for what us three to all do it. That yep. exactly is true. Eddie, that's exactly what I have written down. Bear strong safety in the box and allow Eddie Jackson to roam free as the free safety. I think he would be a perfect fit for the beloved. Uh, take him with maybe our fifth or sixth round pick. That would be lovely. It's, it's, a, it's such an easy pick. It's such an easy fit. God, I hope that so happens. Oh, I cannot wait to see where Geno Stone ends up. Last up, but not least, OJ Moutier. Where is he best suited to play champ? We'll start with you. Uh, I wrote down the New Orleans Saints. I think he would thrive next to Marshawn Lattimore in that secondary. 
They've been lacking a second corner, the Saints have for a while. They tried the whole Eli Apple experience last year, trading for him from the Giants. I don't think that was very successful as he got destroyed in that playoff game when they lost to the Vikings. Uh, specifically in that overtime drive, they were just picking on Eli Apple left and right. I think Ojemudier would be a very good number two corner to a Marshawn Lattimore. He could learn under him and not have have to face that pressure of being the top guy right away. And yeah, I think that would be a great uh, great fit for old uh, Michael Ojemudier. Champ, or I'm sorry, Jerry, where are you putting OJ? So the this is kind of a homer pick only because this is where I live now and I watch the majority of their games because I have to. But there's no other team in football that I watch this year that needs a cornerback or cornerback depth more than the Philadelphia Eagles. They had cornerback after cornerback go out. They're subbing in guys off the freaking street to come play cornerback there. Again, I'm trying to put these guys in the best positions to succeed. The Eagles have a great foundation. They have a great core. Ojemudia should be able to step in day one, no matter what round he goes in, and be able to play for the Philadelphia Eagles, who I think we all appreciate still as somewhat of an NFC contender. So I'm putting Ojemudia on the Eagles, and I'll be able to watch him from home too. I thought about that too, Jerry. I thought it would be a good fit. But you know where I'm going to put him? I'm going to take him kind of a biased homer pick. But I'm going to send him up to Denver. And go with our guy, uh, I'm now blanking, Vic, Vic Fangio. Vic, yep. And take a guy, put him in the secondary, put him in that corner spot, and let him just develop with with one of the great defensive minds the NFL has. Look, DC, what, what Vic Fangio turned Kyle Fuller into when he was here speaks volumes. So, yeah. yes. He got 100%. Prince Mukamura paid again by the Bears? Like, 100%. Got Bryce, he took Bryce Callahan with him, got him, got him paid? It's a brilliant call. That is. It's a very good call. It'd be a great fit. It'd help him develop, and I think it'd give the give that Broncos defense a little bit more uh, a little bit more pop. Yeah, I mean, and Jarrett with a good call too. I just watched the Eagles on that uh, Amazon show this year. They were the team that what is that show called? The All or Nothing um, this year, and they like Jer said, they went through corner after corner. I mean, they brought in Orlando Scandrick's bum ass <laughs> off the street for like two weeks. I mean, their corners were injured all year. They can use some depth there. So, yeah, it's two good calls by you guys. So I, I think we have the best intentions for our, our Hawkeye Hawkeye alums family that, that are with us. We want to see them do well. I think if they go to any of those spots, they're going to have pretty nice, pretty nice careers in the NFL. Uh, anything else, guys, on the NFL combine or the Iowa Hawkeye football team before we uh, switch gears here? It's going to be great watching two uh, first-rounders again for the Hawkeyes this year. Probably two top-20 picks again as well. That's going to be awesome to see. I totally agree. All right, guys. Champ, it's now your time to shine. It is the time for your weekly pick six. Time to see what you Oh, don't sound so excited there, Jerome. (laughs) Have you been picking too many fucking oranges today to get excited or what? (laughs) I was picking peppers. Pick a pepper. Unbelievable. He just groans as DC brings out the best segment on this show. Show some respect. <laughs> well, I mean, you have literally picked Gator the Road Trip Snack and Little Big League as one of your favorite sports well, movies. But it was number six on his list, despite the fact that he didn't move it for two other movies and forgot. I, I don't did think not. I'm... No, I did not move it. Little Big League stayed strong. Got some love on Twitter this week from some of our fans, too, on Little Big League, so don't hate Anyway, what is this week's pick six, top six, champ? Take it away. Uh, The champ's pick six this week is 
my six favorite beers going into the uh, uh, top six this week. I'm going to start by putting a beer that is not in my top six on on just a notice because I picked six beers that I enjoy drinking. Wait, this is now a seven? No, it's not a seven. It's let's it's call this. Bubble. It's March. Let's almost. call this the best of the shit beers. That's the reason we did six is because you couldn't do a top five list. I understand, but I had to include a beer that you, if you go to a tailgate. No, and I like this. Yeah, you gotta include like you a got, shit. You need beer. bubble watch. You get bubble yeah. watch. Your six teams to play in, and then you got your top five. I, I like. Mean, so I included a beer which is Coors Light. So if I go to a oh, tailgate to a shit and it's it, <laughs> and you want to drink a shit beer, that's the shit beer I'm gonna drink. It's a Coors Light. Oh my has God. There. All right, I didn't six. I didn't include any of those type of beers on my list. Move Number on. six. No one is really gonna know this beer, but it's a personal favorite of mine. It's Great the start. It's the Coconut Nitro Porter oh at my City God. Lights Brewery in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's one of the best beers I've ever had. I had to give them a shout-out. City Lights, great brewery. Go there before Brewers game. Get a nice little shuttle ride to the game. Enjoy some of the Coconut Porters there. Wonderful. Number six. Wait, wait, no. wait, wait, wait. What yes, does a Coconut they, Porter taste like? <laughs> It is so a porter is like a darker beer. It's you know like a yes. yeah. beer. Does this have coconut in? Is what I'm getting. It ha- it's got it's coconut infused and it's on nitro, so it's a infused. little bit it infused. It's a little bit lighter. The nitro flavor or the coconut. It's it's just wonderful. It's a great beer. Mm-hmm. I recommend everybody to go try it at City Lights Brewery. Nitro poured, so you don't get all full either. Yes, exactly. The nitro is a lighter, you know, and it bang right in there. You can drink a bunch bang, of them. Bang. All right. Num- next? Number five on the list is Bell's Two-Hearted IPA. I'm a I big IPA fan, so I have to put a little Bell's on there. Shout out to Bell's. Shouts to them. <laughs> uh, Two-Hearted IPA is one of my favorite IPAs. It's a good, it's a good one, especially for day drinking. I'll just yeah, it's my... a very good day drinker. It's not my top IPA on the list. I have another IPA coming up later, but still deserve to be in my top six. So number five, Bell's Two-Hearted. Number four, I think you both have enjoyed as well. It's the Twenty-First Amendment Hell or High Watermelon. Love An it. Absolute wonderful. Day drinking beer is seasonal day drinking beer, and it's a great summer beer. I've been to the actual uh, 21st Amendment Brewery in San Francisco and had it fresh off the tap, and you couldn't drink a better beer in the the summer. (laughs) Just absolutely wonderful. I even bought myself a little T-shirt from that brewery because I love Hell or High Water (laughs) so much, and it's a it's a beer that me and my wife can both enjoy. Because she's also a big fan of Hell or High Watermelon, so that is number four on the list. Terrific. (laughs) <laughs> number three jerome i gotta give you some love on this one because you introduced it to me for the first time and it's guinness one of my favorite beers now i hadn't had it until about a year and a half ago me and jerome were in new york for the bears giants game we stopped in a nice little local irish pub and jerry goes you know if you're gonna try it for the first time there's no better place than here to try it i did and i've loved it ever since i have a case of it in my fridge currently Guinness is number three on the list. Just a wonderful beer. Number two is the Lagunitas IPA. This is my top-rated IPA on my list. Like I said earlier, I love IPAs. Lagunitas, for me, makes the do best Do they do IPA. the little something-something one? They, they do. do. That's another love one that for one. good beers. Little something-something. That would be just outside my top six list. I won't include that. Are they on the bubble? 
DC already got loud about that earlier, so we won't talk about a little something. Something. Lagunitas IPA number two. And number one, the best beer on this earth. I think you both are going to know my answer here. And it's Summer Shandy. There's no better beer on this earth than Line and Kugel Summer Shandy. I don't care what type time of the year it is because now they sell it. I think it's all year round. Yep. So Summer Shandy is just wonderful. You can drink. And I don't want to hear the takes where people are like, oh, it's good, but it's like lemonade, so you can only drink one or two. False. You two can both attest. <laughs> the amount of summer shanties I can put down in a sitting. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. You can have 15, well, that's not true. 15 <laughs> what? shanties on a day. It's a beautiful day outside. It's warm. It's sunny. You're on the lake, like at DC's family lake house, where I probably pounded about 12 to 14 of them on a July 4th weekend. It's a wonderful beer. Summer shandy, number one on my list. And there you have it. There's the, the champ pick six for this week. No spotted cow, I'm shocked. I, it, Spotted Cow, I told you, it's a little overrated. I had a, I think I drank too much of it over the years, and I just, I don't love it now. It's, it's still, I, I'll drink it, and when I go to Wisconsin, I'll get one, but not in my top six. Nope. Uh-huh. All right. All right. I don't have any other takes on this. I'm curious to see. I'm shame You're 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 asking for trouble by going by ranking beers because you're going to get the beer snobs to come through here. Yeah, that's get... fine. I'm well prepared for that. I thought this was a good week to do it, and yeah, I'm fine. I, I expect some criticism on having Summer Shandy number one, but I, I love I'm... it. It's a wonderful beer. I cannot believe you didn't write Gatorade in there somewhere just because. Oh, like, okay. and now, a... we're, now <laughs> we're just going to be rude. Okay. You put them Gator... as a snack, they might as well be a beer. Gatorade with some Coors Light in it, and it just is like, it's like G2. One if you're drinking, you need a little bit of some extra electrolytes. You put I've a never with a beer. Com- combined a beer and a uh, Gatorade before. That might be something I'll try. When I go to Vegas in a couple weeks, I'll uh, maybe do that one of the nights. It's like night. electrolyte shandy. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> a little lemon-lime with a little shandy. It could be a good combo. Oh, I don't give know. me that. Liney Googles, get at us. I don't know if anybody else likes this segment, but I know that it makes me laugh every time Champ's reading off his list, so we're going to keep doing it. Yep, sorry. Uh, I hope so, because I got about 15 <laughs> written in the notebook, baby. I'm ready to go. All right, well, let's get to basketball. It's almost conference tournament, March Madness time. Like we said, this top of the show, uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes went on the road to Michigan State, and they had a well-fought effort that came up just short in the Breslin Center. But, Champ, as you called out this morning in, the text, in our text, they actually moved up the seed ranks in uh, Joe Lunardi's bracketology this morning from the six seed to the to the five seed line. So if you're going to lose, it's not that bad of a way to lose. Um, you guys did not watch the game live, so I didn't get a chance to talk to you guys during this game. But Champ, give me your impressions watching this game when you did after you got back from work uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, I mean, for the most part, I was pretty pleased with the effort. I mean, obviously, we're undermanned. No C.J. Frederick again. I really thought we were going to pull this out, especially when we went on that little run in the second half to make it a 10-point game with about 11 or 12 minutes to go. But the thing that I was impressed with Michigan State's defense. I think you tweeted about it during the game, D.C. I saw that afterwards. They locked it down at the end of that game. you got to give credit where credit's due. That being said, like I said earlier in the show, I'm I'm a little upset with Joe Wieskamp. He's got to do more. You can't go one for eight from the field and score two points when you're you're missing a C.J. Frederick and your guys are you know struggling trying to hit shots in the second half. 
You gotta be, you gotta be more aggressive. You gotta go to the rack. Fran said at halftime that he wanted uh, Mr. Wieskamp to shoot more, and he didn't really do that. I understand if your shot's not falling, but you have to try to at least get to the line, go to the basket, get fouled, hit some free throws. You gotta find a way to get more than two points. I mean. You have NBA aspirations. I understand that you're only a sophomore, but you need to play better than you did. I was pretty upset with Wieskamp's performance. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. He's in, he, I think he's more in a shooting funk than anything else right now. I think he just needs to shoot his way out of it and have that confidence to keep firing it. But definitely frustrating to see. But, yeah, I mean, I saw something on Twitter about the foul disparity in the second half. But to me, it just really seemed like Michigan State didn't let – Iowa get the ball down low and mm-hmm. sure there might have been some calls that didn't go that that should have been called fouls but we've seen it all year long they we all are just not getting foul, fouls called against them like it's just it you have you have to stop complaining about it and just adjust to it you have sure. to find other ways to score and they're just they weren't attacking enough to get to the foul line yeah, there was a reason we all joked about it on Twitter all day long yesterday being the fact that I was we're already ready for them not to get calls right and they got plenty of calls in the first half yeah, and little bitch Izzo was crying about it the entire first half. And then right. I don't really like when you say that about half. him. It's just rude. I mean, was he? what was he acting like to those officials in the first half? He was literally like crying to the officials. Like a normal basketball coach. I mean, it was level. weak. No, okay. he not a normal. That is not normal. I mean, even when even Dan Dockage is calling him out for, for constantly. Fuck Dan Dockage. But oh. for constantly complaining to the referees after every whistle, it's a little much. Dockage is a snowflake that complains about everything to everybody on Twitter. So, and then he blocks you if you just talk anything about. Joe, did you guys? You guys probably didn't watch the heading into halftime interview with Tom Izzo, where he was openly complaining about the. the oh yeah, I watched that. I'm, that's what I'm talking about. It was embarrassing. I mean, for a coach to be complaining that much, I understand Izzo's a great coach. I'm not saying he isn't, but that was borderline ridiculous last night. I mean, it might it probably work though, because look what happened in the second half. Correct. Well, he does at home. Right, and but to me, that's it, you shouldn't be allowed to do that as a coach. You, he should be fined. He should be reprimanded of some kind of criticizing officials on national TV heading into halftime. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be allowed to happen. And the ref shouldn't allow have allowed it either. I mean, one ref, Dockage said, told him to shut up. Yes. I mean, if you're telling a coach to shut up during the game, that deserves a technical. I mean, that's how you shut him up. You <laughs> tee him up and you give him the other. You're team not wrong, champ. You're not wrong. Oh I mean, my come god, on. you're too funny. But all right, so I don't think anyone thinks it's a bad loss. I think they they fought. Oh, they fought. They fought. It's what exactly what we expected the rest of the year. They're currently a five or six seed going in by most bracketology experts across the different publications. Everyone has one now. Do you think that? Where do you guys think they're going to end up? Where do you guys want them to end up? Jared, we'll start with you there. I, does it matter? At this point, no. Like they're in the tournament. I, I the thing that matters to me at this point is the seeding for the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, like, that's the only thing to me that matters. Like I need them to get the double by somehow, some way. Like they're probably gonna have to win out to do that, or you know, have a shot at that at this point because it went from what second place to sixth place, and after that loss last night. Yeah. Um. So I don't, I don't know the the math. I haven't had time to like do all that, but win out basically, and you're gonna get a double by, and I think that's the most important thing for Iowa going into the tournament. Because we've seen it all before. Joe Wieskamp gets hot starting for the Big Ten tournament and carries that through. That can be the little little difference of them being like a one and done or getting to the Sweet 16. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's who gets hot, who can carry hot a team. It's Wieskamp. If CJ's healthy, you just get more options that 
force that again doesn't force four guys on Luca Garza and find somebody else to make a shot. Like all of those things make a huge difference the rest of this way. I yep. think Wee's camp is going to start to get a lot better once CJ comes back, takes a little pressure off him. I think he's feeling the pressure right now. He's not performing. I understand that, you know, he's been our second leading scorer all year, but right now he's in a funk and it, maybe it's going to take CJ to come back, have a big game against Penn State hopefully this weekend. I think we're all expecting him to be back. He almost played last night against Michigan State. So once we get him back there, uh, yeah, like I think in terms of DC's question, I think right now they're probably a five seed at six at the worst. But if they went out and let's say have a good, you know, showing in the Big Ten tournament, I think they can jump to that four seed line. I don't think there's any reason why they couldn't. I mean, yeah, it's, it's there was an article on CBS uh, today about how the Big Ten going to 20 games really helped this conference overall. And I think Iowa has the opportunity on the table, right? Go win these next three games. Go to a showing in the Big Ten tournament and champ, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, they could easily earn a four seed if they have a good showing in the tournament. Yeah. Go yeah. into it. I mean, they're the, it's, they play in the best conference in the nation. It's not even close. I mean, game in and game out, it's just battles in the Big Ten. I expect Iowa's last three games to be nothing different. They're playing three very good teams. They are probably all going to be close and probably take some years off of all our lives. <laughs> Anything else, guys, on the Hoops team going into a game versus Penn State on Saturday in Carver Hawkeye Arena? I got I got to give a little love. I didn't say it, but to Cassius Winston for that second-half performance. He came out gunning. He was, I think, at 1.5 for 5 from 3. He was ultra-aggressive. Yeah. It's exactly what Michigan State needed. He's, you know, one probably a top-five player in the nation right now. I really like Cassius Winston. He's done great things in his Michigan State career and had another great performance in the second half last night. Well said, champ. Well said. Jerry, anything else from you? No, this is a, to me, this is a must-win game. Like, Iowa needs to win this one somehow, some way. They have to figure it out. CJ, if he plays, it's going to be a, a big-time difference, but then, like, the excuses are gone. Like, it's time to start playing a better type of offense. Like, you're getting the most out of Ryan Creener and, and, and Connor McCaffrey right now and Luca Garza. So if you can add two more players by, if we're assuming, C.J. Frederick coming back and giving us what he normally does and opening up the floor for Wieskamp, then you know Iowa should be able to win this basketball game 100%. Yeah, they are, they've got plenty of they got plenty of bodies, especially as C.J. is healthy. It's just, especially— Kramer the, was great yesterday. The supporting, was cast, phenomenal. the supporting cast has been awesome. It's yeah. just you need those that, that second go-to guy behind Luka Garza to be more consistent. Connor and Creener last night were both exceptional. Creener scored 18 points in, in only 18 minutes. 18 minutes. Yeah, I mean, he played great. Yep. It, it was exceptional. I mean, it, they the, the supporting cast played amazing behind behind guards the whole game. It's just it's it's always it's the one thing that's great about this team is that every game there's a sec there's a role player stepping up and a different guy each each game it seems like. Oh yeah. Oh, the other thing, too, is if I'm another Big Ten team or a team in, in the NCAA tournament, I'm getting as physical as possible with Iowa and I'm burning all my fouls because it really oh, yeah. seemed like that shook them to their core last night. And they just like at the, it was it's almost like a football game at the very end. They just didn't have anything left. And Garza didn't have anything left. They were just getting beat up well, on Garza to play 40 minutes last night. Correct. So if I'm any other team and I'm playing Iowa, I am mucking it up. Yeah, it's the way you have to do it. Absolutely. You got to make Garza make free throws, too, because he's struggled the last few games. Man. I, I mean, 
I will say I think that goes to Iowa's advantage come the NCAA tournament because I don't think refs call as tight of a game with in terms of fouls. It's a much more open. Yeah, for sure. And there's not – the Big Ten is by far the most physical conference in the nation. Dockage talked about it last night. All of the big-time big men that are in this conference that Garza has to go in and face night in and night out. When you get to the tournament, the NCAA tournament – the bigs around the nation are not nearly as good as they are in the Big Ten. The, the problem is, though, is there's going to be 10 of these fucking teams in the tournament, and there's, <laughs> at some point we're going to cross them. I mean, we may have to face one in the second round, honestly. So <laughs> I'm saying. Far, there's so if, many. Even if we're a so six many. seed, another one's a three, or if we're in the four or five <laughs> line, we may have to. They try to avoid it until the Sweet 16. Of course. But if you but... have 10 or 11 teams in there, it's going to be hard. It's very hard. All right, guys. Well, we'll see what we'll see what the Hawkeyes can do against Penn State. I agree with Jarrett's must win. Take care of your business at home. Yep. For Jar, for Champ, I'm DC. Subscribe to the show wherever you guys get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Summer Shandy number one, baby. That strawberry beer at that one bar is better. Trick or treat, Iowa City. <laughs> if you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one. <laughs>